Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Monday, August the 28th. As we like to do on Mondays, we'll be chatting today with our friend uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda. Bill, welcome. Uh, Thank you. It, it was 110 on Saturday here in North Texas. I thought I would bring some some climate change into your life. Well, I, you know... <clears throat> It's all it's all climate change. Everything is climate change. Um, I don't know what they're going to do now in Hawaii with the investigation into this horrible, really massive tragedy that I don't think Americans still do not grasp what how horrible that was. The number of casualties, we're still not sure. And again, politicize everything, politicize everything. First, blame global warming. And of course, that had nothing to do with that. Now it turns out that it probably, well, that's the allegedly, allegedly, that the uh, the local utility did not do what it was supposed to do, that the emergency services did not do what they were supposed to do. Uh, but the, the, the constant obsession with climate change, and I think many Americans are beginning to feel there's something suspicious about this whole climate right. change business. I yeah. certainly think they're feeling that way about electric cars. Well, that's right. And I think when every everything in the world is about climate change, you do begin to wonder if there's a racket behind it. Yes. Because, you know, at, at some point, look, as I said before, I don't want to repeat myself. I'm open minded about the topic. Give me some information. I'll listen to you. But when everything, you know, a forest fire, a fire in Hawaii, everything is climate change. You do begin to wonder if maybe this is not a racket. Speaking of politicizing things, uh, Bill, I just wanted to to mention this shooting down in Jacksonville. Now, horrible thing, of course. I mean, yes. what, what else can you say about it? But I thought it was interesting. Uh, I'm not 100% familiar with the story, but as I understand, the shooter had some mental health issues. And it still amazes me that the background check that they did or the people who sold him the gun i'm assuming he bought it legally if he bought it illegally then of course it doesn't matter but when he went to buy the gun apparently there was not enough information on the file to deny him the gun obviously this guy had mental problems what was he doing with the gun bill well that's the point and apparently the background checks are not sufficient when it comes to mental illness I know that when they were first established, there were people who felt liberals, by the way, not the NRA members, that there shouldn't be anything about mental health because it might discourage people from being treated. Uh, and and they, they didn't want anything on the record about their mental health. Well, that isn't much of an excuse. It really isn't. Because I suspect that a number of the people who are involved in these horrible shootings do have mental problems that need to be treated. Well, I would agree. I think if anybody commits a crime like this, they probably have some mental health problems. I mean, it's not a normal human being that would behave in this fashion. So there's got to be some mental health uh, component to it. But it's a shame because had it had there been more clear information in the file, he would have never been able to buy the gun. Now, again, they can always get him illegally. I understand that there's a big yes. black market. But it's more expensive, I would think, to have to get it illegally or more difficult, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Yes. Well, and a lot of people just want guns. Uh, they're perfectly entitled to have them. The Second Amendment is, is clear. Uh, some want it for protection. Uh, many uh, 
many of the big cases surrounding the right to bear arms have actually originated with African-Americans wanting uh, greater access to weapons for, to protect their families. Uh, it's, it's a very complex issue because truth is hard to find. Truth is hard to find. In New York City, 95% of the gun deaths are African-Americans. It is a horrible tragedy and that, in that community, and nobody wants to talk about it. No. Nobody wants to talk about it. And what, what do you say about the Windy City of Chicago? I mean, oh. that's, that is awful there every weekend. I mean, well, it's, and a, very, it's, it's, it's the weekend shooting gallery. That's it. And, and you often have a lot of children who are shot, who just happen to be in the wrong playground at the wrong, at the wrong time. Speaking of Chicago, the mayor, Bill, just a quick point. Uh, he, he is now blaming the company that manufactures automobiles oh, yes. <laughs> for, for the fact that they're stealing so many cars in his city. Is I mean, that, how how is can this that, man be serious? Well, he, he, he's not serious, and yet he was elected mayor over a very serious opponent who actually had some, some good ideas. Yes, he was blaming the, the city of Chicago is suing the Kia, which is South uh, Korean, and the Hyundai, which I believe is also South Korean, uh, automobile companies, on the grounds that, get this, their cars are too easy to steal and therefore lure uh, uh, car thieves. I mean, the, the, talk about a man with a tin ear, right. you know? Uh, I would think a tin ear to his own community. Yes, I think Because so. not every car stolen in Chicago is owned by a white person. That's right. That's I mean, right. I, I would think that there are many black car owners who find their car stolen and must find this uh, explanation to be awfully silly. But that's uh, that's a state of affairs, unfortunately, in many of these cities uh, run by these uh, really pretty bad, in my opinion, pretty bad. Uh, I'm not going to say bad Democrats because there's a lot of good Democrats. It's just some bad leadership that happens yes. to be running these cities. Bill, just a quick uh, reminder, it was 60 years ago today that uh, Reverend Martin Luther King gave that famous speech. I don't personally remember the speech. Do you have any memories of this day 60 years ago? <laughs> well, I don't have any direct memories of it. I was not, uh, I, uh, I, I was not there. Uh, it was a major national event. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, I, was, uh, I, was, I, was, I was in the Army. <laughs> at that Fort Dix, New Jersey, being trained. But it, it was a major event. No one had ever done anything quite like this before. There had been uh, one previous uh, uh, rally at the mall uh, uh, led by African-Americans, which was in 1939 in honor of uh, Marian Anderson, who had been denied the right to sing in Constitution Hall by the Daughters of the American Revolution, and Eleanor Roosevelt arranged for her to sing on the mall. And the pictures are very similar. You see the, this huge crowd of African-Americans showing great respect for her and then showing great respect to Dr. King. I think, you know, listening to the speech and knowing the circumstances of the march, we, it tells us how much we lost when Dr. King was assassinated. He had the right idea, a multicultural movement no one asking for special rights, just simply equal rights, the right to be treated equally, no gimmicks, uh, 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 an appeal to uh, the Americanism in people. 
he he really was not only a great black American, he was a great American, and he understood America and understood the potential. Sadly, so much of that movement is gone. And, um, you know, there was a man in the 1950s uh, called the Longshoreman Philosopher. His name was Eric Hoffer, and he wrote something that uh, John McCain liked to quote. He said, all movements become businesses, and then they become rackets. I'm sorry to say it, because I think the civil rights movement is very important, but that movement is really at the racket stage right now. It's one gimmick after another. Uh, a lot of leaders who don't do a thing for their communities. Uh, you you watch news programs, uh, including the uh, programs on, on networks that are presumably pro-civil rights. You never actually see ordinary African-Americans interviewed. You never see a black mother who's lost a child interviewed. You never see black folks asked about what kind of schools they want for their children. It's always the leaders who seem to be interviewed. I get the feeling the leaders are mostly selected by the press. Uh, and we, we really, I think, have lost the humanity of the civil rights movement. It has become really a business, a business and, and a racket where a certain number of people gain, but the great majority of African-Americans really don't gain anything. Yeah. Well, I agree. And of course, the famous line out of that speech was, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but judge my kids by their character and not their skin color. Uh, I wonder if Dr. King, how he would react to the fact that the mayor of Chicago apparently wants to sue Kia, like we were talking about, uh, I guess the mayor of Chicago is more interested is not interested in the character of people because no. people the problem is people stealing cars. Of course, it's not the cars. But uh, I, I agree. I think the movement has gone downhill, and much of the leadership today is 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 more radical. I think than Dr. King ever was. Oh yes. And and you have to wonder, you know, where they're going. But I know that every weekend in the city of Chicago, as we mentioned. 10 to 15 people are shot. Yes. And five to, to 10 are killed. And, you know, for some reason, that doesn't make news. It doesn't uh, at all. It doesn't make news at all. But uh, that's, uh, it, I guess it doesn't fit the narrative. I guess maybe that's, uh, or or maybe we've become so cynical. I, I don't want to blame the media here, but maybe uh, Black American uh, or African Americans have become so cynical that they just accept what's happening in Chicago as, as a way of doing business or living uh, a bill. I don't know. It's crazy. Well, it, it certainly is not the movement it was when it was first started. When people had so much faith in it, and it was so multicultural, uh, multiracial. Um, you know, it was white with black, uh, and they and it was and it was a movement you could believe in. Today, I mean. It's how many years later? It's the 60th anniversary. Yeah, 1963. I mean, I, I I look at that event, Bill. Sorry to interrupt you, but I just wanted to put this in, just a perspective. This was the summer of 1963. Uh, obviously, the Kennedy assassination three months away. Vietnam was two years away. I mean, think, think of how different the country was. Oh yes, at, at that time. And and I understand, by the way, speaking of President Kennedy, that he was in the Oval Office watching the speech. That's what I read in one of the biographies, Bill. Well, I think he was. And I think he uh, was not uh, as much of a backer of civil rights as perhaps some people would have preferred. But he came to the movement 
And I think that uh, uh, some of his speeches, uh, pro probably prompted to a degree by his brother Robert, uh, about civil rights were very good speeches. I recall that he made a speech, speech about uh, a tense situation in Mississippi. Uh, he didn't insult the South. He didn't say you're terrible people, but he talked about, uh, the, you know, the the American character and what Mississippians had contributed to the country. Uh, very different today, a, right. a very different world today. And I think one of the things that is also a tragedy today is that the African-American community is losing allies. You, uh, we talked before we went on the air about the fact that the polls show that young black men are pulling away from the Democratic Party because they are so disappointed in that party, which really became the, the party of civil rights. But you have a situation where you have a president of the United States saying in advance of a Supreme Court nomination, I'm going to uh, uh, choose a woman of color. And you wonder how people in other minority communities feel about that. That would never have been said in the 1960s. You, you, the, the, the president was supposed to choose the best candidate. But the, the there is a feeling today, I think, that the African-American leadership has become tone deaf to the feelings of other people around them. And they are losing, I mean, they're losing support in the Hispanic community, I think by quite a bit. I think that many people feel that it's a one-way street if you have an alliance. And Dr. King understood the need to have allies, the need to have a multicultural movement. I don't think that's understood today. No, and I also think and uh, and I'm not an expert on Dr. King's life, but I think he probably would have been very disappointed with the breakdown of the black family. Oh, yes. I think the, the breakdown of the, the black family, particularly in the inner city, I think is behind a lot of these problems. Yes. When you have such a high, high percentage of, of kids being born out of wedlock <laughs> and growing up in families without fathers, I think at some point, that takes its toll. And, you know, I, I know that things have been written about Dr. King, but he did have a great family and he had a great wife. And and I think that's the image he projected to yes. the country. And, and unfortunately, that's not uh, the way it is today. One quick note, Bill, I wanted to mention that I guess the trial for President Trump will begin, or one of them, will begin on the 4th of March which is, I guess, the day after or the day before, day before. Super Tuesday, yes. which makes you wonder, uh, didn't somebody see that on the calendar when they scheduled this? I mean, <laughs> I think a lot of Americans, you know, are, are going to look at that and say, well, that's a little too close. Isn't that an election interference? I, I mean, I just think people are fair about this, whether you like or don't like Trump. I think that's wait. I mean, they should have thought about that before they scheduled the date, uh, Bill. The whole thing is a disgrace. And, I, you know, I, I'm very critical of Trump. Uh, and um, I don't consider myself, you know, a, a big follower. I um, admire some of the things he did as president and, and favored them. Uh, but the whole thing is a complete disgrace. They knew that it was the day before Super Tuesday. And the judge, in fact, said today she would not take the election campaign into consideration. Now, you know, I don't know actually what she meant by that. The presidential election is a constitutionally mandated event. It's one of the few. It is really the center of our democracy. Uh, the election must be held. 
And for all these years, and this country now is 244, I think I got 247 years old. We're three, three, three years short of 250. For all these years, we have been careful to make sure the election for, campaign for president ran smoothly, that nobody was tripped up, that no, no crazy things happened legally. It seems to have all gone away. I mean, people ask. I, I was watching uh, uh, Mark Levin last night. I think uh, it was Newt Gingrich who, who made this point. He said that all of a sudden, all of these cases against Donald Trump came together within a five-month period right before a presidential election. Right. What are the statistical chances of that? Right. You well, know, the one, in, the one in Georgia, they could have done it in 2021. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, they had the, the information. And so, I, and I think that's why maybe it's starting to backfire. Because I have a theory, uh, Bill, that what's happening to the Democrats is that they don't understand two things. Number one, the Trump presidency, for all of its character issues, looks more and more successful every day. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, if you're a, an American <laughs> and you paid, as I just did, $3.50 to fill my, my for, for a gallon, and if you got the news like we did here in the North Texas area, that food prices have gone up 12% over the last 12 months, uh, you know, you wouldn't mind having some of that Trump economy back. Because you didn't right. have these issues. So oh, his presidency looks more and more successful. And the other issue is that I don't think that many of these Democrats, Bill, realize that they're engaging in a little bit of overkill. And I, uh, I agree with you. And people are looking at this thing and they're saying, really, you have to have four cases against Trump? And all of them, as you say, if you look at the profile of the cases, they all come from you know, heavily Democrat districts where I don't know yes. how in the world you find a jury in a district like that. I mean, it just seems like people are not stupid. That's right. And whether they like Trump or not, Bill, they can see through it, I think. Bill. Well, well, that's the point. I mean, and, and I think they are many people are now looking over Trump's character and the, and the obnoxious personality uh, issues that they, they, they regarded as important. And they're now beginning to see Something is very wrong here. Something is very un-American, and something is very dangerous to the country. When a local prosecutor in Georgia can bring charges that are, first of all, so vague and abstract and get away with it. I mean, are we going to have a situation in the future where any local prosecutor can bring down a sitting president as well? Uh, I, I, God knows, I hope not. But I think that, that what, what they are basically saying to the country is we are in charge. We can do anything we want. Apparently, uh, the federal cases, I think three, uh, so far three of them are federal and two are state. Um, the federal case in Washington actually dealt with events in Florida. Right. And the question is, well, why was it brought in Washington? Well, the right. answer is pretty simple when you realize that 95% of the voters in Washington voted for Joe Biden. That's right. And, and and they have a guaranteed victory. It 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 has a terrible terrible smell about it. Uh, you know, I, I I don't know if we discussed this before. The great director Alfred Hitchcock, who was a co considered a master of audience, he understood people's reactions. He was once asked about the subject of coincidence, and he said people will believe a coincidence at the beginning of a story, 
but never at the end of a story. Right. We have we have two stories ending, the story of Donald Trump and the story of Joe Biden. And it's toward the end. And people say, as we said earlier, in a five-month period, right before an election, all these cases, 96 charges for a man who has never had a, a charge against him in his life, right. they all came together. And we're supposed to believe this is all a coincidence. Right. I don't think most people will. I think no, it's, and I think you're right. I think people yeah. smell it. But, you know, something, I don't know if Newt Gingrich made this point when he was with Mark Levin, but he made it in another show that I saw. He said that, and this is, he, he, he was passing on information <laughs> that he had heard, he said from a pretty good source, that uh, apparently the, the judge down in, or the district attorney in Georgia was told you got to get this in Monday, yes. and and she rushed it, uh, and that's what happened when you know they went out and they put the case I guess on the internet before they they had actually voted on it. Oh, absolutely! They, I mean that on those grounds alone, they should kill this thing. The whole thing should be well. My I've I've felt, and I think others have made the same suggestion. So I don't want to claim that it's an original. If Joe Biden really wanted to be considered for greatness what he should do is go before the american people and say look this is not the way we do things in this country a presidential election must be protected i don't know if mr uh, trump uh, is guilty or innocent of these charges i make joe judgment he is my opponent the appearances here are terrible in a democracy what i would want to, i'm going to do on the federal cases is i'm going to give him a pardon let him let him face the American people. Let them decide. And I, I don't know. There was a discussion on television last night as to whether the state charges can be dismissed by the president. There are some who feel they can, some who feel that that uh, state charges have to be uh, dismissed only by the local authorities. But I think it was Levin, actually, who said who said that's not true. There is nothing in the law that suggests that. Uh, that a, a president can uh, can uh, discharge a case like that. I think that the whole thing should be terminated by pardons and by the slogan that let Mr. Trump feel the let him face the highest jury of all, the American people. That I would, agree. That would well, put Biden in the category of at least a distinguished president. Right. No, but I think had, you're right. He hasn't got that sense. No, I, I I agree with you. And and the, if I'm a Democrat, and especially one named Barack Obama, yes, or another one named Hillary Clinton, I would be very <laughs> concerned about a judge or a district attorney in a red state filing a lawsuit. For example, in the case of President Obama, it could be over Fast and Furious. Yes. In the, in the case of Hillary Clinton, it could be about Benghazi. I mean, what okay. if all of a sudden? there was a group of families who got together and, and I mean, the potential here for this thing cutting both ways. And, and maybe this is the reason bill, why it never happened before that people were smart enough to know that once you get into this cave of political vengeance, it never ends. Uh, and you don't know what's inside the cave. I keep telling Democrats, you don't know what's inside the cave of political vengeance. You may be <laughs> regretting this, at some point down the road. So, no, I agree with you. I think President Trump, I mean, President Biden should call the attorney general. And if he doesn't want to go to the, bar, the pardon direction, he can at least call the attorney general and say, just end these cases right now. End them. 
Yes. And let the American people figure uh, figure this out. Bill, let me uh, jump to a couple of other topics here before we run out of time. Very quickly, there is a migrant crisis in New York. It doesn't seem to go away. Uh, The governor of New York has now come up with an interesting idea. Let's give these people work papers. The problem is, and my family is testimony of that, is that if you cannot come into the country the way they did and get work papers. That's right. The only way you can get work papers is if you come in here the way my parents did, which is through a legal means. My father could work the very next day. He was in the United States. Okay. These people are coming in. And I was talking to a friend of mine who knows the border quite well. And they come in. They're given a little piece of paper that says, we'll see you in court sometime in the future. And during all that time, they're in this (laughs) idiotic limbo. They don't even know their status. So how can you get a job like you could work illegally, I guess. But the the governor of New York and is saying, let's give them a a work permit. But that's not going to happen because the Congress would have to approve that bill. Well, that's true. It isn't it isn't going to happen. And also, I think that the appearances of it, if you give all these people who come here illegally work permits, they're going to work at lower wages than Americans will work for. And they're going to take jobs away from Americans or lower the wage scales here. Uh, it's we 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 got ourselves into this the this whole idea of sanctuary cities, which in effect, by the way, people should understand in effect that pledge that, that city would would defy the law and defy the federal government uh, because of some theory of of immigration. Now we see what it's costing. I mean, in New York City, they have no more room. They literally don't have any more room, and people are afraid to have migrant centers built next to them. They can build temporary housing quickly. That, that they, they can do. They did it during World War II. But they, you know, mothers are afraid that among these immigrants are going to be some bad eggs. Not all by any means, but, uh, but, but some. And they're afraid for their children. Right. Well, I mean, it, it's, it's a totally sensible thing. The problem, though, with building these people uh, temporary housing is that New York doesn't have the money either. No, uh, New York is in terrible shape. Exactly. So, I mean, you have a state that, as you have indicated many times, losing people, losing taxpayers. The governor of New York got the bad news within the last 30 days that sales tax revenue is way down. Yes. So where are they going to get the money from? They, they, they can only get it by taking money away from, from other programs that are part of the safety net of New York City. So they would well, have to take money from those programs. Uh, now, I just want to make one quick point, Bill. I thought it was amusing, absolutely amusing, that the mayor of L.A. was attacking the governor of Texas, yes. saying that this is a political act, that these people were never invited. Well, yeah, they invited them. They became a san- They reaffirmed their commitment to a sanctuary city just a few weeks ago, Bill. Yes, it's madness. So it, it, it's, it's madness. These people think we're stupid, Bill. Well, that's part of the problem here, and that is that the Democratic Party, which used to have at least the appearance of a connection with the American people, and I think it was a real connection. I began my life as a Democrat. Uh, uh, there, there was a connection. Uh, they, they were pro-labor. They knew the laboring people. When I worked for a Democratic senator uh, in Illinois, wonderful man, we we loved going to uh, to labor meetings, talking to people who actually worked. We loved going to 
anti-labor com companies who would, who would throw us out. Uh, and th there was a connection with, with what, you know, the, the, the forgotten American. That's gone today. The Democratic Party doesn't even want to know these people. And they know it. And that's why Trump was so successful in the Middle West. He spoke their language better than the Democrats ever spoke their language. Right. And, and that may be also the reason why he's picking up Hispanic support. Yes. And uh, I know, for example, in the case of Hispanics in South Texas, a lot of them or many Democrats don't realize the number of Hispanics in South Texas who have a job because of fossil fuels. Uh, there are lots and lots of refineries in South Texas. And if you look at the trucks, and I know this may sound racist on my part to say so, but I'll bet your life most of those truck drivers are Hispanics. Yes. And and these people are, are hearing the Democrat Party uh, say to them that they want to do away with fossil fuels. Or they're telling these truck driver that, you know, they're going to do away with or they're going to somehow force him to drive an electric car. And now this idiotic thing that they're saying about limiting the number of beers you can take. Well, you oh, about oh, that? oh, yes. Yes. They are. They're going crazy in New York. They want to ban ban appliances. We don't know which appliances next. Uh, they 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 want. Uh, uh, well, California even exceeds this, but they, they want eventually a ban on all uh, 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 oil uh, uh, powered cars. You know, I have a simple question. I wish somebody would ask it. We're told we have to buy electric cars. They're not working out, um, aside from the fact that some of them have exploded. But they're not working out. Aren't there people who are aware that all over the world there are companies working on alternative fuels for gasoline engines that will have produce far less emissions and allow people to keep their cars? It's not even mentioned, and yet it's going on. What is wrong with the press? They go along. They, I, I think it is true that we haven't today in America on a national level a bought press. They go along with a certain party line and they will not break from it. Get, you're, you're, yeah. No, you're, you're you're dealing with madness. I mean, when you're when you're telling people that you're going to limit the consumption of beer. I mean, so, you know, I mean, it, it, it's just madness. It's the kind of stuff that. As you as you were saying, the party that you once belonged to, a senator, the senator you were talking about, that's not what you talked about when you went to the labor meeting. That's right. You know, hey guys, we're here to tell you that we're going to limit the consumption of beer. <laughs> yes, you could yeah. at the labor meeting. That was that was something. They, right. <laughs> uh, I mean, they, they, I've they, been to a to a few VFW meetings, Bill. Yes. I don't think talking about. I mean. Most of the guys there are having a pretty good time having a few beers. Yes. And somehow uh, that's, you know, but but this is the kind of stuff that comes from a party that is out of touch with reality. Completely I don't know how else to say it, Bill. And they don't understand it's something that they used to understand. When you can't talk down to people, they get it immediately. You know, Franklin Roosevelt revolutionized presidential speech making by his fireside chats, and he began them by saying, my friends. No one had ever done that. No president had ever addressed the American people, and people liked it. They felt they knew him, and that, and, and that he knew them. One reason for Trump being popular in among working people is a, a reporter told me that who knew Trump, and he said he always had lunch with the hard hats. 
but the guys who actually built his buildings, he knew their language, he knew their resentments, and he knew how to appeal to them, and they love him for it. Right. Somehow I get the feeling that Trump could get together with, with a bunch of hard hats and talk about the Yankees. Yes. And, and he would feel right at home uh, with these guys. One uh, final point uh, that I wanted to make, uh, Bill, is there's a lot of talk about, well, there is a debate, I believe, that has been scheduled, although I don't know when, between Governor DeSantis and Governor Newsom. I hope it happens. I really hope it happens. I believe they've agreed to it, but they're still working out the dates. But there's some concern in the White House that Newsom may be maybe getting a little too interested in being <laughs> yes. president. Uh, you wrote about this. Now, there's two problems there that I see. One is Governor Newsom, but then there's the other one is Vice President Harris. Yes. That's well, a bigger she, problem, perhaps. I, I think she is a tremendous problem uh, for the for the party. I mean, they, they're going to look, they're going to lock Biden away during the campaign. He's going to be in the basement. He's going to say, I will not dignify this campaign. Well, what do they do with her? Are they going to put her out on? The, she can't answer a question. A, a very big problem. You know, I, I want to see the debate, though, between Newsom and um, and Governor DeSantis. What you really have in that debate is the best governor against the worst governor. Right. Exactly. I mean, you know, we have a, the, California is losing more people than any other state, and Florida yeah. is gaining more people than any other state. I'd love to see that debate. I have a feeling it's not going to come off. Well, I, I I had heard that that it had been, I guess, on the Hannity show. I think they were they were supposed to do it, but I I like you. I would love to see it happen because. I would love to see Governor Newsom explain what's happening in California. I mean, California is a horrible situation right now. And I hate that. I hate that because the, the truth is you want to see 50 states doing as well as possible. You don't want to have certain regions growing and other regions not growing. I mean, some of that is always going to happen. But right now, it seems like we have some states that are doing extremely well, Florida, Texas, to name two. And some states that are really sinking, New York, California, <laughs> Illinois, another one. Although I think Illinois is more Chicago than, than yes. the state. But, yeah, I love to see the debate. Bill, very quickly, uh, a couple of minutes left. Any reaction to the GOP debate? I can give you uh, my reaction was I thought they all did fairly well. I thought they all did fairly well, too. I, again, it's impossible with eight people. Uh, this is the, you know They've got to thin the herd, as they say. And... Uh, I'm hoping that the next debate will be perhaps with four or five. Uh, I thought that that uh, Nikki Haley, I thought, was outstanding. She came across as a grown-up, you know, among all these men who were screaming at each other. She really did. I thought Governor DeSantis made his points very well. He still has to kind of lower the temperature a little bit, but I thought he did well. I did not think... Uh, 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 Vivek, Vivek uh, yeah. I, I thought he came, of course, almost adolescent, uh, kind of childlike and yelled, thank I'm the only one on this stage who wasn't bought and paid for. I mean, he's he's still he's an amateur and, and he will be eaten up alive if he's the nominee. I, right. I don't I don't think he's yet ready for prime time. No, no, he's not. He needs uh, as I say, he needs to run for governor. I, I wonder where he lives, but he needs to run for governor somewhere. Because I think he's got a great future and great ideas. Yes. To go through a, a campaign that is a national. I will tell you my favorite moment of the whole debate. 
was when they asked they asked uh, Governor Christie about the UFO, the UFO question, and he says, "I'm getting the UFO question." It's like you know, it's like he's saying, "Me, I get the UFO question." <laughs> right, yes. And I just thought that was hilarious. I he's don't a, think they did it on purpose, but no. it just—I thought his reaction was the best. I, I loved it. Christie is a very good debater. He's a very good. Unfortunately. <laughs> Nobody likes him. <laughs> he's, no. got, he's got a, a, a problem in the party that nobody in the party likes him. I mean, he, 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 he makes comments about people. He's probably the most, most honest guy, uh, but he, he really, and as governor, he left with a very low approval rate. He, he insulted everybody, right. you know, and uh, you, you can't do that. The others, I thought Vice President Pence was sincere. I just don't think he's that this is his time. No, um, no, he he's done. I mean, I hate to say it because I like him a lot, but I I think you're done. But but here's the crazy idea, Bill. You've seen some crazy uh, uh, president, vice president uh, pairing up in the future in the past. John Kennedy, Lyndon Johnson, Ronald Reagan, George Bush. Nobody saw that one coming. Here's a crazy one: Trump and Christie. Yes, well, no, Trump and Christie. It, it would never happen because they hate each other. No, I know, I you know, know that it would never happen. But I'm sure Kennedy and Johnson hated each look, other. <laughs> look, but I think it, that. The, I'm, oh, go, go ahead. Uh, no, sorry. I was going to say that at least Kennedy Johnson made sense from an electoral standpoint. Christie doesn't really make sense, I guess, for Trump from an election standpoint because uh, you know, maybe, well, maybe he could bring New Jersey or something. But yeah, but I don't think it's going to happen. But it would be. Can you imagine those two guys running together? Who's more mad than the other? I, I don't know. I think I think uh, if if um, if Trump does run, and I'm not at all sure this is going to happen. Uh, it's not at all certain that he's going to run. I think he would that he would be inclined to pick Tim Scott. I agree with you. I think that's the one that is most likely. Yes. At the moment, it makes a lot of political sense sure for him, but. I would not underestimate the possibility of DeSantis, particularly if DeSantis begins to gain. You know, people are talking about these polls, but they when you start looking at that New Hampshire poll, it's a lot closer than the national yes, poll. Yes. What if DeSantis pulls off an upset in in New Hampshire? Uh, it's unlikely hot. right now, but it could happen. He's hot again. Also, uh, he has an opportunity. I hate to put this in political terms, but realistically, it is. There's a hurricane about to hit Florida. If he does a spectacularly good job, it's going to be noticed. Well, he'll remind everybody why they like him. Yes. You know, and that's the it, thing about DeSantis, that DeSantis is, has been an extremely effective governor. Yeah, he's uh, damn right and, he has. And that's, that's his uh, resume. Look, I, I'm a very strong leader. Well, Bill, you have a great week. Thank you, as always, for for joining us and thanks for all your time and your input. And uh, we'll keep an eye on your urgent agenda all week long, Bill. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to the next session. Yes. Sylvia. We'll get together next week and we'll, uh, we'll kick it around again. You know, it's oh, kind of fun sure. doing this. It is. Thank you so much. Uh, our good friend, uh, Bill Katz, uh, editor of urgent agenda. I always love a lot of fun uh, talking with Bill. We talk about a lot of issues, but uh, it's always it's always interesting and knowledgeable and very informative to talk to Bill. Have a great day, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas.